0: Hello out there. Yes, hello everyone and welcome back to the Numb but the Brave podcast. I am Hal Schwartz and of course, as always, I'm here with my great buddy Flynn McClain. Flynn, so uh, we got a new archive and we're going to file it under <laughs>
1: Ask and You <ye> Shall Receive. <laughs> yes, it's pretty good timing that after uh, we did a full three shows on the Tunnel of Love album and tour that they would release a Tunnel of Love show. So uh, I hope people got to be able to listen to it uh with open ears or fresh ears to what we were saying, and maybe they thought we were full of crap, or maybe they said, oh, they were onto something there.
0: Well, hopefully they didn't think we were full of crap, but very cool that it was one of the shows we discussed and we had emphasized that we really thought Walk Like a Man needed to be released, and and now it has been, and it, it's Walk Like a Man is great. I mean, we were right on that one.
1: <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's that that song really works. And it's it is a very lovely, lovely song to, to use a word that Bruce likes to likes to describe songs like that as. Now the
0: whole show is really solid, uh, the, as we've as we obviously just discussed for a while. The arena leg in the United States of the Tunnel of Love tour was was fabulous. Even though this occurs right before that those Nassau Coliseum shows that you mentioned, where maybe there was a little downswing in energy, I think this one really is a good listen. And not only do we get the Walk Like a Man, we get the Love Me Tender, which hadn't be been a part of the archive series. We get Rosalito, we get the Detroit Medley, which, as we discussed, was stellar on that tour. So it's a very solid listen.
1: Oh, very. I was just I was just thinking thinking today about you know if if Bruce was just going through the motions during March, as, as I think I kind of accused him of, uh, it's definitely not evident uh, on this recording. He, there he is on. I mean, uh, Born in the USA with the, the screaming and the guitar solos is just you know. He, he was not going through the motions on, on this night, and he probably wasn't doing it really any night. It's just that, uh, you know, legend takes, legend takes hold, and until we get, like, perfect recordings of those shows, you know, they don't get much respect, it seems.
0: Yeah, and it's unlikely we're ever going to hear the Nassau Coliseum shows in professional quality, but... You know, perhaps the legend there is a little bit off. It's it's hard to say. I know your lovely wife saw those shows and other people we know saw them. Neither one of us saw them. So it's hard for us to comment on that entirely.
1: Right. Very true. Very true. And uh, how about that? The uh, the bonus soundcheck song, huh?
0: Yeah, that was really something and a nice surprise. It strikes me that arrangement of reason to believe. Maybe it's close to what we would have heard had we heard the Born in the USA studio version it was obviously only a few years later, as opposed to the reason to believe arrangement that they did in more modern times. And it's
1: really an interesting listen. It is. Um, I, I'm most closely compare it to the, the arrangement of vigilante man that they would do, uh, later in the tour or later that spring. It did have have that. It did have that same feel. I would agree with you. Right. The same bluesy feel. And I could, I could see it working in that spot. It may not have been as, shall we say, overtly socially conscious as the two songs in that kind of between All That Heaven Will Allow and Cover Me were, but it certainly would have had the same feel. And what do you think about the inclusion of that? It, obviously, if they had the whole sound check, it would have been
0: fascinating to hear that entire sound check because, as we know, even though the st- set lists were static on the Tunnel of Love tour, the sound checks were really adventurous.
1: Well, as you and I, we are all about the more. <laughs> so obviously I'm going to say, yes, give us give us the entire soundjack. But at the same time, you know, I don't know how many repeat listening repeat listens would be warranted over the last part of Tunnel of Love and, and to be true, which is what they seem to do a lot on that tour. Well, you wouldn't need to necessarily
0: have that in there. I mean, obviously, they could selectively edit, but in some of those sound checks, they did contain stuff like uh, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood and other stuff that just came out of like nowhere and obviously had no relevance to the actual show. Maybe that's why they selected Reason to Believe. Obviously, that one, I think, did have some tie in to the theme of the show.
1: That certainly makes sense. And of course, it's a Bruce original and it's a Bruce original done in an arrangement we had never heard before. So I think that may put, may may have played as, as big a role in that as uh, as the thematically uh, related here.
0: I would assume you're correct there, and I just think we both want to say if they have more of that soundcheck material for future releases, definitely more is better.
1: <laughs> well, they have given us—this is their second soundcheck song, so after the, the Garden 88 release had uh, For Your Love, so— and- And interestingly, both tunnel releases.
0: But we know, he, as we just said, he did very adventurous sound checks there.
1: Right. And they were, you know, I kind of doubt if they have the sound check from, say, Atlanta or Seattle or, I mean, Tacoma, rather. So I think it's just a matter of what they had rolling and and when. And now what is what's another interesting note is that the uh, Bruce Bass list across the borderline is being another song sound checked that night in detroit and if they had included that one well then they would have hit all the all the uh, all the dots yeah
0: it's too bad if they had that from the soundcheck they didn't include that one because that was a, but maybe they're waiting for that to be a part of the actual performance Since it did make it into the show
1: yes that's that's my thought i'm thinking that the next tunnel release which wouldn't be until may of 2020 2021 at this point would uh, would either be a european show or or a show with across the borderline, which basically narrow it down to April 27th or May 22nd.
0: Well, with this perfect timing on the tunnel release for the Archive series here, I think we've pretty much said all we can say about the 1988
1: tour. <laughs> we've said a lot. We've said a lot. But, you know, I could talk some more about it if we, if we really wanted to. But I think it's time to move on. Yeah, I think we should move on right
0: now. Should we go to tonight's topic? Let's have some fun now. I think this one is going to be a fun one. The idea is Flynn and I have barricaded ourselves We've in the Springsteen Vault. We've somehow been given the keys. Sorry, John. Sorry, Bruce. Sorry, Tom. We're in there and we're getting stuff out.
1: <laughs> yes, we are. They've defi- finally decided to let the, uh, let the foxes in charge of the chicken coop. So we're going to have some fun with this, to say the least. So I think we should separate this into
0: three stages. Obviously, there's quite a bit of material in the vault that I think we certainly want, and I know that some of our listeners want. I think let's split it into three categories. There will be the major Sony releases. Okay. There will be the internet slash YouTube releases. And then there's, of course, the Nugs Archives releases. And there's some overlap, perhaps in those last two categories but should we start with the major sony releases as we see them
1: yes let's go ahead and start with that
0: for now we're just going to assume that for 2020 there's not going to be an album or tour and that's going to come in early 2021 and therefore we are going to dictate what is going to be released in this, in for christmas this year and that i believe flynn is going to be tracks two correct and
1: in our, in our alternate reality of course that uh, yes, that that is our first our first selection.
0: It's certainly the project of our dreams. Uh, you yeah. know, we've been expecting it for a while. I think uh, we know that they've been working on it for quite a while, and it's going to be exciting when it comes out.
1: Yeah, there's certainly no lack of material at this point that we uh, both that we uh, were aware of, at least through uh, various channels, as well as probably a lot of stuff we don't even know about.
0: So, what do you, I mean? What would you put in there? Because right away. There's the decision. There's a lot of Born in the USA outtakes as we've discussed before that are still out there. I personally would not put them in the Tracks Two box. I would save them for our second major Sony release, which would be a Born in the USA box. But what what do you think?
1: Well, uh, about a year ago, Hal, I, I was thinking when before when we were when we knew that Western Stars seemed to be in a long gestation period. It was a solo album that he had been working on for going back to 2010. And I thought a nice concept for Tracks 2 would be the Lost Albums. And I came up with, the in addition to whatever project that... Well, the project that became known as Western Stars, that's one disc one or one disc of it, the the ninety three, ninety four hip hop re- slash relationship album. So that would be a second disc.
0: Are those the same record as far as you know? Because we know there's a relationship album that was primarily recorded with the ninety two ninety three band, which we I, do believe is going to make up at least part of what will become tracks two, And that's a name we're calling it. Obviously, they may call it something else.
1: Right. Well. I've always cons- I don't know if they are the two if they are two separate albums. I know some people think they're the same, they're one and the same. Others people other people are feel very strongly that they're two separate albums, but I'm going to go with the with the theory that it's just one album. See, I and mean, I
0: actually am going to go with the theory that it's two records because was Streets of Philadelphia supposed to be on the Relationship album? Yes, it was.
1: Yes, that was the album that was supposed to be the the album that would, that way they were going to ride with the, uh, was that the Grammy bump or the Oscar right. bump, whatever it was at the time? They wanted a Bruce Springsteen album that had Streets of Philly on it so that people could go in and, you know, buy the, a Bruce Springsteen album and not, you know, a soundtrack.
0: Well, and of course, though, they ultimately decided that that was going to instead be the purpose Greatest Hits Fulfilled, which was that Get Streets of Philadelphia out there in conjunction with that Grammys. Do we know for sure that Streets of Philadelphia would have been on the record, which we believe is called Waiting on the End of the World, correct?
1: Uh, Yes, it was. It was going to be called Waiting on the End of the World. Uh, Shane Fontaine was touring, toured with Mark Cohn throughout most of the 90s and the early aughts. And after a Mark Cohn show, a friend of a friend and I went up to him and said, hey, we, you know, we heard we really enjoyed you on, on Bruce's tour. And we heard that you guys were in the studio after that. And he, he said, yes, yes, he was. And he mentioned the waiting on the end of the world was the album they were working on. But it, would Streets of Philadelphia been on that
0: record yes. if it had been released separate from the whole Grammy bonanza and stuff like that.
1: Well, that was the album they wanted to be part of the Grammy bonanza. Okay, but it's but they realized at the time and Bruce talked about in his book and he there's actually been a snippet of him talking about it on East Street Radio where he said they listened to it. I mean, they actually got pretty far in the process and then they they all, I guess, a bunch of the people close to Bruce and Bruce himself listened to it and said, yeah, this isn't it. This isn't the album that that uh, that we feel is worthy of of Bruce at this at this time. And so that's why there was such a rush to get the get the East Street band back in the studio for that greatest hits thing.
0: Now I know you're talking solely about lost albums right now. I do think that there's a would be a cool aspect of this potentially, like with the lost ninety-two ninety-three band that record. There are certain songs that were recorded with the 9293 band, some of which that have been released with the E Street band already, like Secret Garden. But there are other songs like Waiting on the End of the World that we know was recorded both with the 92-3, 92-93 band and with the E Street band during the Greatest Hit Sessions. I assume that this project would actually have both of those versions. Uh,
1: we can go with that. I don't know if if they would. I can't imagine they would do that and release the same song with two different Two different musicians on it, and as uh, uh, unless it is radically reworked. Well, one, but we're in, in control now. W-
0: but we're in control now, not them. Okay, and in my world, a- we're releasing both of those.
1: All right. Okay. So you, on one of them, you're going to have the the ninety two ninety three touring band, and then the other one you're going to have will be the E Street version from the from the Greatest Hit sessions. Okay. Well,
0: I well, I think in in the sense that one of the things that we discuss on this podcast is a lot is Bruce's artistic process. I think it would be really cool to hear how the songs were unfolding, especially recorded by two totally different sets of musicians.
1: Hmm, that's a good point. And then, so then I would advocate for Secret Garden to be released because that uh, was suppo- supposedly recorded with that other band, too.
0: Well, I think that wasn't that going to be on the relationship record if we believe that they were going to release the album that you just described intact. I assume Secret Garden would be on there because yes. it was already a song on that record
1: i you know I don't know what that what that track listing was, so i I can only assume that it would have been on there It's certainly one of the better songs that he's released from the from the nineties so you know we i it's I can't guarantee it now what are some of the
0: other songs that we know to be on that that particular lost record before we get to the others was waiting on a
1: sunny day on that record or was that written later the the first occurrence of that that I'm aware of is uh it was a soundcheck in Germany from '99. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't know if any other songs that eventually were released were on that album apart from "Secret Garden" and "Back in Your Arms." Oh, "Back um, in Your Arms" is another one. We definitely want to hear the '92, '93 version of that. Right. Um, I mean, I'm thinking stuff like "Father's Day" and "Blind Spot" and "Between Heaven and Hell." Those are all songs that were. I think they were copywritten sometime in the first half of nineteen ninety-five.
0: Now were those songs though related to the relationship record as we call it, or that was a separate thing because those were also related to Missing, which was on the crossing guard soundtrack.
1: Well then see at this point we don't know. We don't know what was related, what was repurposed, what was what was anything at that time.
0: Well, I just want to make clear all this stuff is in the box if I'm in control of it, which for the purpose of the show,
1: we are. Okay. well, then, yeah, I mean, let's go ahead and empty everything. But I guess we were I was kind of talking about what we know, what we know as outsiders at, you know, in real life.
0: (laughs) Okay. so you generally have a lot of insight into this, perhaps more than some of the other people. Why don't we do it to be concise? Take us through the lost records, that we know about. Obviously, we know about the relationship record we just discussed.
1: Right. What
0: what are, are you including the 87 country
1: sessions in there? Yes, that okay. would definitely be one. The 2001 the March 2001 sessions with the E Street Band? Right. Uh, now do we heard- know
0: b- besides for American Skin and Another Thin Line and and the songs that were premiered at the Garden, do we know if anything else was recorded during those sessions
1: besides for those cuts? I would imagine my city of ruins was right. That makes sense. But I don't know. I don't know for, for sure. 100%. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other other lost album I'm that I'm aware of would be the country swing album that was kind of that was not kind of but was recorded around the same time as Tom Joad. Right. Now it's very possible that the country swing material be became or included stuff like Maria's Bed, Long Time Coming, and Leah, which obviously ended up on Devils and Dust. But I'm going to have to go, I'm going to go on a limb and say say there was a bit more to it than that. Okay. So, and then what about, is that
0: pretty much the Lost albums as we know it from the 90s into prior to The Rising?
1: I believe so. I, I I mean, whatever he was recording in 98 when he when he did Hunter of Invisible Game and, and a couple of the others that ended up on High Hopes, mm-hmm. um, I'm not, I don't think, I don't know of anything else.
0: Because we've heard that this set is likely to be very large when it comes out, correct?
1: I hope so. <laughs> if I have my way, we're talking 10 discs 10 disc or more.
0: Well, that's a lot. I mean, so the stuff we're talking about here does not fit 10 discs. No, so, it
1: doesn't. No, it uh, doesn't.
0: Because you've got, but I do think there's quite a bit of stuff that we're not covering. Okay, so we've got the country sessions from 87. Interestingly, Bruce Bass seems to have just updated their Tunnel of Love material and has more info on those sessions, which I, I was really amazed to see that. I guess they, those sessions were shut down because word leaked out and Bruce got annoyed that the word had leaked out that he was recording with those specific musicians and he, he left Nashville. That is what
1: they wrote, right? <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I mean we we, we had thought that was the case anyway, that he was that he wasn't happy when word leaked to the press, but it sounds like he got really, really upset about it and just said, Screw this, if you guys are gonna talk to the press, I'm I'm out of here. Because so It it seems
0: like that really could be some very interesting material. Uh, It probably very different from what we eventually heard on Tunnel as we discussed these past couple
1: episodes. So we're just going to gloss over the fact that Bruce seemed really petty about that?
0: Well, I mean, that's (laughs) your word, not mine. But it does seem, from an artistic standpoint, again, me really being more focused on his artistic process, it does seem to be, I don't know if petty's the right word, but extreme perhaps to be recording material. If he liked the material and say, okay, I'm junking it just because word got out. So, but I guess we're going to have to hear it to really know the quality of it.
1: Right. That is true. That is true. And I, you know, and I'm looking forward to hearing it, you know, hopefully sometime, someday. <laughs> now we do know in, 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 This century, the
0: 21st century, there is likely, even though he has put out High Hopes and he put out American Beauty, there should be quite another uh, batch of songs that will be included in this box. Uh, We know there's a whole host of songs, for example, that for Western stars that weren't
1: used. Right. Did I read somewhere that someone said there were th- up to thirty other songs, or am I am I imagining well, that? I
0: know Annieello said there was a batch of thirty to forty songs when he first mentioned that record, all the way okay. back. I think it was in twenty fourteen.
1: Okay, so there you, there you go. I wasn't imagining that.
0: Now we know Bruce has been pretty prolific working with Annieello, and as we've discussed before, he's given Annieello quite a bit of autonomy. Do we think there are other batches of songs that may be? that they worked on that weren't necessarily related to Western stars or any of the projects
1: that have already been released? I don't know. I, I mean, maybe they just, I don't know <laughs> what I do remember is, uh, I think it was Morello or somebody was talking about one of the songs on, on, on the American beauty EP and we said, Oh, you like that? And I got dozens of those just like it. So uh- what? No,
0: I'm sure. It sounds like this has been the decade where he's been working with Annie has been very, very fruitful.
1: Yeah, and they only have like, what, three albums to really show for it. So I guess that's that's a lot. So, But still, there sounds like there's a much more that could be released.
0: Oh, and I bet you're totally right about that. And since we're in charge here... Anything from the Tunnel Tour on that is of quality and can be put out, we're putting out on tracks too, and it is coming out this November for Christmas.
1: Yeah, yes, if we have our way, and that we would love to have our way, or at least have our have our wishes granted. Now you
0: know, we do think there's a good chance our wish will be granted, uh, because if they don't put out a record this year, we do think there's a pretty decent chance we'll see some kind of box later on.
1: Well, it's one of these things where. If, the, if, if another Christmas season comes by and they don't really release a, a nice box like this, it's just another lost opportunity. Right. And, you know, and as you and I have discussed, you know, privately, the, um, the, the market for physical media is declining rapidly. So, is if they actually, sure. so if they want to put out a nice big package with, uh, with full artwork and nice big uh, booklets and such, they really need to get things going sooner rather than later. Vinyl would be appreciated, to be sure. And it they can w- actually
0: make some money with that.
1: It would be appreciated, uh, you know, as long as there's a... I guess that, that's probably the only physical market right now, or that's the bigger physical market than CDs, right? Well, I think CDs
0: are still bigger in terms of the actual number, but vinyl is the only growing segment of the music
1: industry at the moment. Okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. So after we uh, after we in our in our alternate reality release tracks do in November of 2020, uh, what happens next year?
0: I think everyone is hoping that there will be a record released, a new record, and then there's a tour. So perhaps there won't be room for another large box in 2021. We'll have to wait and see on that. But I think we're going to put out a mega box in 2022, which would be the last Springsteen mega box, I think, right? And yes, that is exactly. a combined... We we talked about it a little bit in our third episode, the Born in the USA sessions, 1982 to 1984. Of course, this would cover Nebraska as well. And really, as I have been emphasizing in my version of things, we're really looking at the Springsteen artistic process. And I think there's no better place to do it than how Nebraska and Born in the USA were linked together and how those two projects were both released and eventually were focused on, on the one tour. So.
1: Oh, absolutely! I think, um, as I as I, as I said, I believe in that episode. You, to look at that whole period, you, you start with January third, nineteen eighty-two. He's recording by himself, and then it cu- culminates on October second, nineteen eighty-five, when he's playing in front of how many hundreds of thousands of people at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. So, so yeah, you got to start with January third, nineteen eighty-two, and you know the record, the solo recordings, the recordings with the band, the rec- solo recordings of material recorded with the band and just keep on going until you, until you hit the uh, hit 85. Right.
0: And, and get it all out there and really focus on, on that concept of, you know, this is how it took place. It, there was, it was recorded in Bruce's house on the t machine. And then they went into the studio and they tried this, even if the stuff doesn't work a hundred percent, I would get that stuff out there just because it's just such a curiosity and so fascinating to to hear you know what the nebraska songs would have sounded like in the studio my guess is they're going to sound really good when we hear them
1: okay i think they're going to sound a lot like they did on the tour at least stuff like atlantic city and highway patrolman uh and and state trooper but apparently state trooper was not recorded with the band at the time so right but open all night is one is one that i think would be really interesting to hear
0: of course there's a whole host of born in usa outtakes as we've touched on before I think that's probably where the lead tracks for the box that we're putting together would come from. Uh, For me as a lead single, I I would have it put down to two, two choices. One would be drop on down or the other would be protection. Do do you agree with that?
1: Well, it's interesting you note those two because those are really the only two E Street recordings from those sessions that we those are the only two that we've heard that has not that have not been released.
0: That's true. There's so much stuff we haven't heard; it's hard to tell. But those are also two tremendous tracks.
1: Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Well, Hal, if, you, if you'll indulge me for a second. Yes. If since we're since we're designing this box, I'm going to tell you exactly how it's going to go. Okay, go ahead. All right, you ready? Okay. Disc Disc One and Two audio are going to be the the, born, the Nebraska album and Born in the USA album. They don't have to be remixed or anything. They could probably be the same one they released in 2014. I would assume so. All right. Disc Three will be Electric Nebraska and Acoustic Born in the USA. So I like we're, it. We're going to combine the two because I don't think not every song on each on each album were recorded in the opposite albums. Uh, arrangements. You know right, what I'm I get saying? what you're
0: getting at. I don't think there's like a mirror image for every track on Nebraska born in the USA.
1: No, no. But you do, there are, I think, at least six songs from Nebraska that recorded with the band and at least three, four, if you include Pink Cadillac that were recorded acoustic uh, in preparation for the band session. So, you know, you might, we might end up only having like 10 or 12 tracks on that disc, but it, sh- it shows the evolution from... The acoustic demo or the acoustic, however you want to call it, the acoustic mix down and how it related or how it pointed toward the eventual electric release. Right. Okay. Now, disc four will be the 1983 Garage Sessions.
0: Okay. I was going to ask where those were going to fit in. Perfect. Right.
1: See, because to me, that those, those recordings are the perfect bridge both thematically and musically or lyrically and musically from the Stark Nebraska to the full band born in the USA stuff.
0: So, and you're talking about basically one 80 minute disc filled with the best of that home
1: demo stuff. Exactly. One, okay. a full disc. I mean, you know, it might only be 12, 12, songs or 14 songs. And they, I think most of them were pretty short, but I don't think there's enough for 80 minutes, but just certainly enough to get a good, good, solid feel for them. The Klansmen, that stuff. Plansman, uh Unsatisfied Heart, as we as we talked about before, Seven Tears. Uh Shut Out the Light with the alternative alternate or extraverse rather. Um Betty Jean, a whole bunch of others. Delivery man, that's always a fun, fun one. Um and then disc five and six are gonna be two previously two two discs worth of previously unreleased E Street band takes of Born USA alternates and I, outtakes.
0: I, I don't know, Flynn. If I, you know, we're in control of this vault at the moment. There may be have to be two more than two discs of those songs. There's a lot of songs we haven't heard. We'd have to sit down and listen to them and and to figure <laughs> which ones were worthy of release. But I'm going to guess a lot of them are.
1: Well, I'm going to guess uh, it's about thirty songs worth. So 30, 30 new newly released outtakes from eighty two at eighty two to eighty four. I think that would be. You know, the best 30. And, you know, and if there's room, if there's, if we find another 15, hey, let's go for 45.
0: That is what I like to refer to as the treasure trove.
1: Yes. And then, then what they really, or what we would really want to do is include all the other USA Altics that have been released already. Right. You have you know, to the, have those. You, right. The Murder, Inc. and all the stuff that that was on love. tracks, tracks, on tracks one. Um And certainly, and then None But the Brave and I like, think County Fair. So you really, got, you really want to make it a, a full repository of everything from that era.
0: Yes. A complete overview of the artistic process for sure. Now, let's talk about video. Of course, <laughs> we're going to have at least one show from the L.A. Coliseum.
1: One. Yes, we would. I assume look for we're, we're going to make a
0: closing night,
1: right? Right. We're going to go for 10 to October 2nd, 85, the, lot, the closing night. And, uh, you know, at least start at least start there. And then for the documentary, I've always thought about the tour would be the story. See,
0: I want to go back to the video for a second, the actual concert videos. I agree, 10-2 is the one, but I would also have a bonus disc with, we know they have the other LA shows, if not the other summer shows. I would put in stuff that's not in 10-2, and I would also go and take out any noteworthy performances do we think that the Paris '85 video that's out there that is a bootleg? Correct.
1: Well, yes, it's not an official release, so yes, it's a bootleg.
0: But <laughs> if they have it, I would put that in there too. The whole thing. Why not? All I mean, right. It's, a, it's in a European show. The set list is slightly different. We oh, don't. Yes, it is. Uh, we don't really think they have any video from '84, right?
1: Um. Yeah. The, There might not be much. I mean, if they have any, it's probably all from the screens.
0: Well, and we know there were certain shows where pieces of the shows were recorded by either MTV, and I think there was something for ABC. But in all likelihood, that was minimal cameras and probably only the first two or three songs and maybe some stuff from the encores. But it's highly unlikely the entire shows were filmed. And even if they were filmed, I don't know that it would be usable because news crews
1: are not shooting the same way that a professional film crew would shoot. And of course, you know, they don't have as many shows from that tour in, in perfect multi-track quality that that we would expect them to have. So we would be certainly limited, at least in the in terms of that kind of audio.
0: Well I think Serling talked about that on E Street Radio. We know he said they had the first two from the Meadowlands, one of which has of course been released. And then they had the last two from the Meadowlands, one of which has been released. So that would leave two shows from the Meadowlands we know they have additional shows from L.A. in 85. We know they likely have Jersey 85 because of they were used for Live 75 to 85. So there's probably some more shows out there. Uh, separate from the archive series, I would personally use the opportunity of this box not to put audio shows in the box because there's no reason for that today, but either for the box to come with a download code or yes. to have it as a separate sale to at least another two or three shows from the Born in the USA tour.
1: Yes, that would be that would be perfect. That's that's what I would do. I would I would find a a few shows, as you said, um, they wouldn't even have to be full multi-track, in my opinion. They would just be if they just had had them on two track. I'm sure they could do a lot in terms of restoration. And hey, you know, coincide with the USA box. Here's four extra morning USA shows that you can download from from Nugs. I think that's a great idea. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So, and I think we can
0: say this would probably be the last major catalog Sony release that we can do from the vault. I I mean, maybe there's something that we don't know about, although we've really just covered a lot of material in these two boxes,
1: but in all likelihood, this is it. Yeah, I don't think there's any other projects that would would require a big box and certainly with the decline in physical media it's it's probably just not going to be viable except for except for the the two we just we just described
0: yeah after born in the usa it's hard to imagine even if they wanted to do something for tunnel maybe they do it as a two disc set a lot of artists are doing that now, and there would be one disc with a record and another disc with some outtakes. But if we've already put the country sessions into tracks, too, I don't even know what's left there. So in all likelihood, that's the last major Sony release that they would have, at least in terms of catalog material
1: Well, comes and, of, a, of a catalog, like archival. Yes. Archival release. Now, by archival, I mean a Sony like Tracks Two or Tracks and River Darkness, yada yada yada.
0: Well, I should qualify that the last to the material to date, because who knows, Bruce could be holed up somewhere recording like five records right now.
1: (laughs) That would not surprise me, but it would would, that would be awesome.
0: (laughs) So, should we move on to our next category, which is going to
1: be? This is going to be a little less structured.
0: It, this is going to be the internet releases which they have been doing a little bit of so far obviously they released the famous 2006 jazz fest to youtube and there's numerous other videos that we feel should be released
1: yeah they um there's a lot of video that's been worked on and it you know there's as we as we noted there's not a not a big market for physical media so at this point it's the work's been done just let people see it should
0: we start uh, with my personal favorite, Fenway 2003?
1: Sure. You can start with that.
0: I think uh, it's really, in a way, amazing that they've been sitting on this material now that for 17 years, they went to the expense of of filming it, and those were excellent shows, and yet it still sits in the vault. So as we're barricaded here in the vault tonight, we are correcting that, and both Fenway
1: shows will be put up on YouTube for people to see. And then the audio would be made available for purchase uh, by nugs by nugs in in and of itself. So, well,
0: and that and that does open up a separate possibility. I mean, we're going to use what they have done so far, which is to do the YouTube thing. But Nugs does have their TV service. I just got an email, I think it was last week, they have like five or six Stone Shows on their streaming service now video. They could use Nugs also for Bruce's videos, which I think would be great. And then they would have the combined set of having the show streaming and perhaps even available for download as a sale. And then also, of course, have the audio as as a match to it.
1: Well, of course, all that would work best. Uh, I think you pointed out to me the other day that on the on the YouTube release of the of the Seeger Session show from from 2006, you can't just watch as one continuous thing you have to. It's not seamless like you would you would want a concert video to be.
0: Yeah, I actually was just playing around with that this morning. The ads run pretty much before every song, which is understandable. That's how they're making their money, except that is not the greatest viewing experience what i will say is that i did take a look at the numbers there uh pay me my money down did 2.3 million views which seems to be pretty good seriously rest, yeah wow i don't know why that one is so much higher than the others although that uh, that may have been featured and also i do think that that is one of the more popular performances from that record the pay me my money down and of course he's actually done that one with the band
1: Okay, now what were the numbers on some of the other they, charts?
0: They varied. Some were as low as like 100,000. Others were more in the mid-sixes. So it did vary. But I, as far as I remember, the pay me my money down was clearly uh, on a separate level of
1: 2.3 million views. Yeah, that's a that's a level I was not expecting.
0: But I will say, even you know, on these streaming services, I don't know how much revenue that would generate, even with the ads. Two million views is a lot, but if you look at like, Justin Bieber, stuff like that. We'd have to go look. I mean, he's getting 100 million views, 200 million views, I think. I think so, at least one of them has gotten like a billion views or something.
1: All right. Well, see, Bruce is not going to reach that, though. No, Let's of be, course <laughs> not. No, totally let be perfectly
0: different. honest. But in terms of them generating revenue.
1: Yes. Now, another another thought I had is that they would do it on with a deal with like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime. Yeah, they, they. You certainly
0: on. could do it one of the services.
1: Yes, and I don't, and I even had the thought of they could release a new one every six months, kind of make it a series. You know, Bruce Springsteen Live Volume One, uh, the Apollo 2012. Uh, Bruce, and then six months later, Volume Two would be would be Fenway, and then Volume Three would be the Devils and Dust film. You know, just kind of keep going along that those lines. Um, I guess. But the Stones, they made how many shows like available at once on notes?
0: I'm sorry. I had to divert back to this. I was just looking while we were talking. Taylor Swift has a video that has one point three billion views.
1: And what song is that?
0: It's called uh, Bad Blood with Kendrick Lamar.
1: (laughs) Ah, okay.
0: And other videos that have over 600 million views. So that just puts it all into perspective.
1: Well, you know, that's Taylor, and she's she's been the the pop princess for the last 15 years, it seems.
0: But my point really is, I don't know how much money they're generating. Two million views in the YouTube universe is not a huge number of views. Obviously, it's cumulative, but if we were running this and we wanted to make the most money for them, one of the streaming services may be a better option. Of course, they have to want to buy it or pay a license fee for it, I should say.
1: Okay, and what about just putting it up on, on iTunes or... And allowing people to purchase these the videos for, you know, what, five dollars, ten dollars? That's a great
0: idea. And that's another real possibility. You could put them up, you could charge four ninety nine, you could charge nine ninety nine. I again, I don't know how many of these things are gonna sell, although some of the stuff we're talking about, Fenway two thousand and three, which would be HD and widescreen and and very, very viewable on a compelling watch on anyone's big screen TV today. Uh, you know, I think that that is a very strong option.
1: And ditto for the Apollo show that that was done in high def. And I can imagine, I would imagine that the the 2005 Devils and Dust film would be the same way.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of benchmark shows. I mean, we've obviously already discussed Born in USA material. There's a couple of benchmark shows here. We've got 2003 Fenway. We've got the 2005 Devils and Dust show that the Morris Banks that we discussed a few episodes back came from that Bruce just released. And that footage was very, very strong. And then we've got the Apollo. There's, from, from the 21st century, from the reunion era, there's just a whole host of stuff they can get out.
1: Yes. And then then I would go back to, you know, they would basically do a, a full show from each tour. <laughs>
0: Yes. Well, and you saw it. it, You were at the event last year in Asbury. They do have an 88 show, apparently, which we would be able to put out.
1: Yes, they have a they have a show from Rotterdam from 88. They um, at Tom Zimney's event last uh, last April in Asbury Park with the archive, an archival show, so to speak. Uh, They showed She's the One and it it was it was something. It was something something special. So I hope we get to see that that full show. And of course, there's. Uh
0: we're in charge. It's coming out.
1: All right, and then well, then I would really go ahead and also release one of the the L.A. eighty-eight shows. Do cool. we know that they have that? Well, I mean, that's where the tougher video and the and the Born to Run video came from. Oh, that's
0: true. I, I totally forgot about that.
1: Yes. Yeah, well, so that I, would be essential. An, an arena show from that tour. Yeah, I mean, I don't, and I don't, and if they had something from the Garden from eight from a month later, that that would of course be my priority. But you know, we know they have the L.A. 88 footage in there. So that would be my, my my first choice.
0: Now, this would have to be done in stages. And yes, the Stones have been doing archival releases that include both audio and video. I think that this would be a separate track from the Nugs releases. And you'd be doing it probably at most three or four times a year. So for the next X number of years, there would be, Audio video tandems coming out of these shows.
1: Yeah. I, you said up to three to four times. I was thinking every six months. Uh just I mean, just to keep going. They could go for a long time. Yeah. There's is a that, lot.
0: There's a lot here they have not gotten out. It's it's very surprising. As we've discussed before, I mean, of course, the E Street Band is one of the greatest touring outfits ever. And there's all this video that showcases them that
1: is sitting in the vault. That's why like- we're correcting it. And what's been very frustrating for fans is that, is that Tom Zinni has presented two nights of previously unseen Bruce footage at, these, at, a, at, a, at showings. One was – first one was in Monmouth in 2014, and the second one was, uh, was just last summer or last spring, and there's another one coming up uh, next month. And they've released – probably about – there's about two hours' worth of stuff that, that Zinni's shown, and they haven't really done anything with it.
0: Yeah, there's no time like the present. This stuff, it's it's sort of like this. You know, sometimes you're holding on to something. It could be leading to more value later on. This is not that case. <laughs> this stuff is not going to be more valuable five years from now, 10 years from now. If it has any value, it has it now. It probably had more value. Uh, some of it, uh, the, like the tunnel material and stuff, that probably had more value back in 1988, 1989. But here we are in 2020, and we're getting it out.
1: Yes, we are. I mean, there, are, you know. And then it was actually uh, Zimney put together a private showing for some for some charity. So that was the third one. So he's up to he'll be up to four as of next month, and put it out there. We're going to well, we're going to put we're going to put it out there. We're going to you know, we're going to do one track a day, one song a well, day, how?
0: That's really where YouTube comes in. That's where YouTube is r- really viable when you're talking about the stuff that's going to be hard to sell because it may not be the most perfect quality or something like that take some of the rebo footage that hasn't come out yet i don't know that you can sell that but you can put that up on youtube you can put it up on bruce springsteen.net you can let the fans see it it's all really fascinating material i'm sure he does he even have footage from the bottom line
1: yes he does and well, at we the, need that out yes at, at the event last april uh poor Zimney Poor Tom actually had to admit that, yes, they have a full show from the bottom line. On video. So, on video. But then uh, they did very carefully
0: qualify that they did not have the level of audio that they would need
1: to have for a professional release, correct? That is correct. And the way, the way I look at it, and I, I mentioned this before, is that two tracks are better than none. And even one track, right. if, if it's mono, would be better than none.
0: Well, so, I, I look, that is such a legendary show. I don't care what it sounds like as long as it's remotely listenable. You put it out, especially if it's something that's free. I don't know if you can charge people for that, but you put it out because of historical significance and you state that's not up to our usual quality. And I think people are going to be really interested in it because this is the Springsteen legend when you're talking about the bottom line.
1: Yes, I might be a little bit more. Um. Uh we greedy than you then, because I would probably make that part of some kind of streaming service where there would be actual more money involved than just, just YouTube views. Well, and that's again where Nugs comes in.
0: I mean, Nugs has this Nugs.TV service. There's no reason they can't use that. It's interesting that they haven't used it yet because they do have all this material just sitting there. And that seems like since they already have the relationship with Nugs, it seems ready made that they could go
1: ahead with that. Right. And of course- we're talking about put it, whether they put up on YouTube or make it part of a as Nugs video or even any other kind of streaming service that would that would make them money. Whereas right now, all that stuff is just sitting in the vault. It's, it's really quite a mystery,
0: I have to say, because especially since they started showing it at these events and they're doing another one this year, I don't understand why they would just show something to 1,500 fans. It's obviously done. They've deemed it good enough to show to the public. Get it out there for everyone to see. I, it, that one is quite mysterious. And with us in the vault, that stuff is all coming out.
1: Yeah, we're going to do one month. We're going to do a new video a day from from pre 75 (laughs) from that would be a good month or from 75 and earlier. So our listeners are getting excited. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, this is our alternate reality. So it's not happening just yet.
0: Well, we did get the uh, March 28th, 1988 show released. I'm joking about that.
1: That is true. That is true, but hey, you know, yeah, that was probably determined several months ago. You know, before
0: before we recorded any of those podcasts,
1: yeah, they got to remember they got to pull the tapes and then they have to send them to Alt Schiller and he has to mix them. So it's not something that's done in a week.
0: No, of course, I was joking about that. That had nothing to do with us.
1: Okay, okay, just making sure. now.
0: Now, is there any other pieces that we should discuss? Whether it's from Rebo
1: or someone else. Well, I b- believe uh, there's, the, there's a Tom Jode film as well. Oh, right. You know, so, I mean... Well, any
0: I, complete shows, we are in full agreement that stuff has to come out. Every tour should be represented, like the yes. Archive series. Bruce has had an incredible career. He's done a wide array of stuff. There's no reason not to have all of this represented.
1: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. there is at one for, other... Oh, I'm sorry, at, go ahead. At least one per tour. And they have... We already have a seventy-five, a seventy-eight. We have most of an eighty, or two-thirds of an eighty. So let's get the, you know, the eighty-five will have will be covered by our Born in the USA box set. So get eighty-eight out there. There's that ninety-two, the lost TV special or whatever it was called. Uh, go ahead and find those original masters and get that out for sure. And then the Jode and and hey, you wanted to do a. You talked to me about doing a live in New York City. Yeah, you know, that- recut.
0: The last thing that I would do here while I'm sitting in the vault, the live in New York City video has to be restored so that the complete 7-1 show is put out. Now, of course, that's already out as an audio archive. You and I were both lucky enough to be there. That was a big night in the history of the E Street Band. There's nothing wrong with live in New York City, and I understand why they did a cut for HBO. That was a big deal at the time. And then the rest of the stuff was bonus stuff. But now the whole show needs to be put out, put the whole show back together Get it out there. Also get out the highlights from the other two nights we know that were filmed. How great would it be to have the back in your arms and loose ends from 627?
1: Very. That'd be very awesome. And, and, and another thin line from the 29th.
0: Yeah. All that stuff should come out. I mean, this was the band. Uh, you and I have discussed this before. I mean, we believe that the reunion tour, those last two months were as good as it gets. And that is spectacular footage and there's no reason not to have that out and it is sort of chopped up in 2020 that is not the type of product that you would put out anymore we all understand that i Mm -hmm. think even they understand that that a a product that's chopped up and put out of order and stuff is removed now you would put out the complete
1: show as they did on audio right now see now this is the kind of that's the kind of release that i would put on onto iTunes as a purchase. Cause it is, it is technically, it would be top notch. I mean, oh, this yeah. is, that's, this... that's
0: not a, that's not a free YouTube video. That's
1: for sure. Right. You put that up on, on iTunes, let people pay for it. I know I'd, I know I'd, I'd get it again. So oh,
0: I, yeah, people like us. And there's a lot of people, I think in the fan base who we speak for on this, they're paying for that for sure. <laughs> if they had to pay nine ninety nine for seven, $1, $2, complete video, Plus highlights from the other two nights. That's a no-brainer.
1: Hell, I'll pay twenty or thirty bucks for that. So um, let's well, go ahead it's and it's certainly get it not out.
0: unreasonable to suspect that they even. I think twenty or thirty bucks is more than they would charge on iTunes, but fourteen ninety nine, which makes it commensurate with the cost of a lossless archive release or whatever. I I think that's totally fair.
1: And I I, and I gotta think that they have a full finished product right now. It's not like they would have to do any too much additional work to to to, fin- to finish up the, the video.
0: I don't know about that, because they did do a lot of work at the time. Obviously, the HBO special had to be delivered. Did they do an assembly of the complete show at the time? That I don't know. But certainly, while we're in control, we're having a complete <laughs> assembly done, and it's coming out.
1: Yes. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And that's going to be a highlight. That would be a highlight for me.
0: So we've covered video now. Right. Right. Now there's one last segment I think we want to discuss. And by the way, let me just say I'm having a lot of fun having this discussion.
1: <laughs> well, Hal, you and I pretty much talk about this all the time anyway. If, so we're just, only the, only difference, it, right, the only difference right now is that we're recording it and we're going to let other people hear it.
0: If only they would actually let us in the vault.
1: Uh, yes. Like I said, to put the foxes in charge of the of the of the of the hen house. But
0: OK, so the final segment is the archive releases, which, as we've discussed before, they have done a pretty outstanding job at. There's some stuff that's missing. We don't know if they have it. I, I We've talked about the Vietnam Veterans show before. You believe that that's not something that they likely have.
1: I don't think it is
0: because that's every listener's number one request. We know Pr- that pretty much. Yeah, pretty
1: much. Now, the first thing I would do with the okay. Nugs releases, here's mm-hmm. the first thing I would do, is I would start what I would call a third Thursday series. And these would be shows that would be released on the third Thursday of each month, obviously. And they would be two-track or mono shows, mono recordings, that aren't, that, that would not be at the same quality as the, as the first Friday multi-tracks, and so they would charge a little bit less. I mean, assuming that they would also have require less overhead and, and less production time. And these would be some of the stuff that we have been aching to hear. You know, more of the the batch of tapes that the that the Albany and Rochester '77 shows came from, or even or and any two tracks that they have from the USA tour or 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 the Rising tour. The
0: Rising because, tour is a big hole, and it remains somewhat mysterious to me i mean that's perhaps a conversation for another day but i still don't understand how they got the helsinki done and that didn't lead to some kind of solution on at least one or two other shows i i don't know do you have any insight into that
1: i really don't it's just so incredibly frustrating and they really did they really did drop the ball and it's it's odd that they haven't i mean you've told me that in out in la they any kind of audio format or video format they can can upgrade or
0: yeah there well there are people who specialize in obsolete formats because of course this is a major issue for both the film and recording industries that there needs to be someone out there who can always extract specific formats because people have tapes and 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 Stuff is stored in all kinds of different formats and stuff goes obsolete. And then 20 years later, trying to access it, access it. And you got to have someone who can get to it. Now, it can be expensive and there may not be a lot of options, but I assume that there's someone out there who can fix their problem. Obviously, they were able to do it for Helsinki, but I guess we're going to need to get more information on that.
1: Right. And until they can actually fix this problem for for more shows, especially more uh, exciting shows for us like Shea Stadium or Atlantic City or Giant Stadium, even if they have a two track DAT just from the soundboard, from the uh, from the PA, from the PA feed, let's go ahead and release them.
0: Now, let me ask you a question, because this goes back to our last portion Obviously, we talked about Fenway 03. They have to have the audio for that because they recorded, they filmed it. So are we to believe that, I guess, that those shows were recorded on the same audio format and they're having problems accessing them as well? Because obviously Diddy Wah was at least extracted at the time because it's it was on the release, the live in Barcelona release.
1: Yeah, I don't know. That's a very That's a very valid question and I do not know the answer. And but it's one that is, it seems to be a pretty obvious one for them to release. I mean, I it is my understanding they, they actually mixed it and gave copies of of the show on DVD to band members.
0: You're talking about Fenway 03.
1: Yes, talking about Fenway 03. So they have a finished product and just take the audio and sell it from sell it via Nugs. I don't I don't understand why they haven't done that yet.
0: OK, well, but in the meantime, you want to put out some two tracks if they have it. And we suspect that they do.
1: Uh, yeah,
0: it seems I mean, impossible that the entire Rising tour was conducted and nobody bothered to record anything in stereo.
1: Right. I mean, I, I always go back to that ninety three recording from Dublin with uh, with Joe Ely, where the, the supposedly they took the dat straight out of the, the deck at the soundboard and gave it to Joe. Joe to, to Joe Ely, and that's how, and eventually, you know, 15 years later, it caught out or 10 years later. So, you know, you take that recording and maybe you spruce it up a little bit, and, you know, and then I would pay $10 for that to have that in FLAC, you know, $7 in MP3. Oh,
0: let's, for sure. let's let's do it. There are other things. I mean, we know previously we've discussed that their selections from the reunion tour may also be limited. I forget, how did you phrase it? A limited uh, it select shows and select cities
1: there you go yeah um would love to have hartford like that love to have the the philadelphia birthday show but right. apparently if
0: they, if they don't have the philadelphia birthday show in multi-track that's a perfect choice to get out as part of your two-track series uh
1: ditto for the for the two hartford shows maybe las vegas uh, i mean i could i could, we could go on right so yeah and if they and don't it, have it in multi doesn't mean we this doesn't mean we won't appreciate it any less
0: it also opens up the door to releasing stuff like the bottom line or some of these other shows which are legendary and they don't have in professional audio now there the argument is going to be do we need the bottom line released if gems has already done it if it's not going to be a professional recording so I think that that would be where it comes. But I would say that if I had access to something that was very serviceable and were in charge of the vault, because of the importance historically, I understand Gems has done some really cool stuff. That's not the same as a release coming from the artist, even if the quality of the release from the artist isn't up to the usual standards that you would expect from a professional release. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, Gems has access to some good you know, some good, powerful software in terms of cleaning for cleaning up audio. But the professionals at Sony would have so much more to to play with and to just just improve it more than we can imagine. Oh, I I
0: think that's definitely true. And it also probably applies to shows on the River Tour. Now, we don't know if they have a two track of the vet show. I think perhaps they don't, because that seems to me they would have put out already.
1: Well, you know, I'm still not sure. I I agree with that, but I would like to to be proven wrong.
0: Well, is there any evidence that there might be a two track from that show that exists?
1: Well, the only evidence we have is that we do have the first half of the show from a soundboard source. Mm-hmm. And it's it's like, well, if we have the first half, where's the second half? And then we can just do it. Um, and as I've said, that they could they found if they found the sources for that, maybe they find the masters or a very low generation. Run it through some of the professional restoration software and come out with something really good. There was actually um, a version of Darkness that uh, someone, I think it's someone from Jim's, put together and from that show, and it sounds pretty freaking good.
0: Yeah, that did sound good. in fact, some people were confused and thought it
1: was a multi-track, but you know it wasn't. No, it wasn't. It was just from the soundboard tape that that we've that we've had for a few years now.
0: Okay, well, certainly, while we're in here, if we can find those tapes. Wh- <laughs> We're putting them out.
1: Yes, I, we are. I, again, anything from the bottom line, anything from the vets, that should be put out. I would go in the opposite direction and see what they had in the vault from 73, 74, and, and even pre, pre-bottom pre line from 75. Okay, yes, we were going to get to that. We know that certain people are
0: probably yelling at us right now. Why aren't you <laughs> saying anything about pre-born to run? So now we're going to say, yes. We While we're in here, we need to find everything we can from 73, 74. My theory on this is, Obviously, since it's not going to be very long for single releases, I would pair a couple of things together that make sense and put them out as Nugs archive releases.
1: Well, if they have something from 74, when when they were starting to hit the two hour show mark, um, you know, that I don't think that needs to be released in conjunction with anything. OK, that's fair. You know, and I mean, I would like to think if they had any soundboard from that era that doesn't, you know, just because it's not multitrack doesn't mean it shouldn't be heard.
0: I was thinking about some of the stuff from even before that, maybe the Max's Kansas City stuff. That is not going to fill up an entire archive release, but it's worthy of release.
1: Oh, yes. The 73 stuff. I mean, those shows were, what, 45 minutes long. They seemed to be one tape side at the time when I when I started collecting. So, yeah, combine a couple of those together. Maybe uh, if there's a 90 minute set from from the main point from, I think, Halloween 73, if they have something like that. Yeah, let's let's get that out for sure. And this, would, and, and this would all be part of my third Thursday program.
0: <laughs> I think people would be really excited about that.
1: I, don't, I know, I, I, know I would
0: be. You can't put out too many archive releases. I mean, let's face it.
1: No. And what's funny is that I remember when Brad was, Brad Sterling from Nugs was on E Street Radio. And, and he said that, and he was, they, he said he was debating about how many, sh- what kind of release schedule they should be. And he asked, a call, or you know, how many shows would you like to see released, or, or what kind of schedule? And it's like, come on, every two weeks, let's go. Every two weeks, let's go. But no one said that. So now we're saying it, Hal. Every two weeks. And I think we're being restrained
0: because hell, we could go to every week.
1: That's true, but then we we really it would be give, a bit
0: of overkill. That yeah, we say.
1: yeah, we need to give people time to really absor- absorb a show. And and as we said, the the third Thursday shows would be in lesser quality, and they might be in more. Obscure, obscure times. I mean, you know, this, that late '74 period is very, very jazzy, very, very different than what would happen even a year later. So, you know, not everything would be in uh, would would be in the sweet in the E Street sweet spot.
0: But that's why you got to get that stuff out there. Give everyone an overview, the entire career. Hell, you could even, while we're in here, root out some Steel Mill stuff, perhaps, and put that out, too, as part of your third Thursdays.
1: Yeah, if they have it.
0: (laughs) Well, they have something, right? Because that was on chapter and
1: verse. At least there was, what, one or two songs there? Um, I know it was He's Guilty. I think that was the only one from Steel Mill, wasn't it? I I honestly don't remember. Yeah, there there were five songs, and I, I think that all of them had circulated among the fans, So, you know, wouldn't surprise me if they don't have much more than that. Okay, well... I we've but, really, but, but, but we're, we're going to look, we're going to look really hard in those, in, yes, in the corners and behind all the shelves. We're and everything.
0: returning everything in here. It's a freaking mess at the moment.
1: Oh man. this no, oh, this is great.
0: <laughs> I, have you ever actually, I've actually been in a film vault. It's uh, it, it can be uh a pretty overwhelming. Uh, one can only imagine. Now, of course we're joking because there's, there's probably not an actual one location that serves as the Springsteen vault. Is there? I hope not. I would,
1: I hope, not. I would hope not. I would hope they have a lot of redundancy and such. Well,
0: well, And that's actually a whole separate issue, and that's not really our concern for the show. But you know that. That happened here at Universal Studios when there was the fire. It was uncovered that a lot of the classics, the masters, were burned up and there's a whole search going on because there may not have been as much redundancy as you want. that is something we are concerned about as well. Uh, You know, I have stuff stored in film vaults and that's always a major concern. So, yes, we would certainly hope there's not one location where everything is that they do have stuff backed up now especially with the cloud in the world we're in and so forth and uh, alternate locations but that right. that's a that's a different topic i think
1: yeah i kind of assume at this point that so much of it has been digitized and on a on various hard drives scattered throughout the country <laughs> like i guess i just i just have to find one of those locations and we'll be good
0: <laughs> it's like a big search yeah anyway I think, so I, I think we put out we're putting out so we put out enough material to keep Springsteen fans busy for I don't know, probably three or four years
1: oh I'm thinking like 10 man come on
0: there's <laughs> a lot of material we've gone through here should we wrap it up
1: I, yeah I don't know this, I don't know what else there is to say about this. All so. right.
0: Well, so we'll be back with another episode in a couple of weeks. In the meantime, let's finish with our bit of business as we always do. None But The Brave is a presentation of Bull Market Entertainment. Please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or your podcast platform of choice. And on the web, we're at nonebutthebravepodcast.com. And you can follow us on Twitter at NBTB
1: Podcast. So for Hal Schwartz, I'm Flynn McLean saying thanks again for listening, and we'll see you further on up the road. Hey!